0: Brian Sussman's show, Faith, Family, Freedom. Thanks for joining me. I'm Brian Sussman. There's a lot of information flying around, some of it real, some of it fake, regarding Russia and Ukraine. The fact of the matter is, Russia continues to drop bombs and fire machine guns, etc., at Ukrainian targets. Now, there are some who are saying Russia is only defending itself, defending itself from NATO defending itself from even, as I've heard, bioweapons plants in Ukraine that have been set up by the Americans. I don't want to get into any of that right now because the information is all over the place. I want to talk about the human casualties of what's happening in Ukraine. Now, I'm going to lose some people right off the bat who say there are no innocent Ukrainians dying. Stop the press that's not true. I have talked to too many people who either have friends and associates in Ukraine or are from Ukraine themselves who will tell you completely different. So the question is, are they lying? Are they making this up? And if they are, why? There are innocent people dying. There are innocent people who have lost everything in all of this. And that's what I want to talk about today. How can we help those people? What's really going on on the ground? What is the human impact? And if there really is a human impact, how can you help? To do this, I want to bring in a friend of mine. He keeps up on all the latest news. He lives in Bulgaria. Now, for those of you who don't know the lay of the land, Bulgaria is just across the Black Sea from Ukraine. The Bulgarians, it's 400 miles away, the Bulgarians and the Ukrainians have tremendous cultural ties, including the fact that they use the same alphabet uh, in their language. And their ties go back, gosh, hundreds of years to the fact where just last week the Bulgarians celebrated a particular day in which that day commemorated the fact that 144 years ago on that date, the Ukrainians helped liberate Bulgaria. So the cultural ties are huge. My friend in Bulgaria has a lot of other associates who are working in Ukraine, bringing aid to the people, and not just bringing aid, you know, Red Cross can do that, but bringing aid that also brings hope through the message of Jesus Christ. My friend's name is Ludmil, we call him Lucy, Lucy. And I want to bring him in on the program right now. Lucy, thanks for joining us on the Brian Sussman Show podcast. It is just awesome for you to check in. I'm trying to recall when we first met, wasn't it um, in Redwood City? That's the San Francisco Bay Area, of course, a city just south of San Francisco. For those of you who don't know, I think it was right around 2000. Uh,
1: I think the first time that uh, we met in person was in 2001.
0: Okay, 2001.
1: Just, uh, yeah, just a just couple of days
0: before 9-11. So many of we old-timers recall the wall falling in Berlin, communist ending, the Soviet Union collapsing. That was 1991. So let's back up. Let's talk about what you were doing, because you were actually in the Russian military, the Soviet Union military at one time, correct?
1: Yes, the, um, uh, the military uh, back in communist time was uh, compulsory. So you don't have a choice. You have to be there and uh i had to do my service and i did it and i, I you know i was uh, driving a tank you know so this is um, you know i'm kind of a uh, short guy for you know for the army so they said uh, my job would be driving the tank so for two years or one year and a half exactly it's uh, what i did okay. and of course you know i was in the army Right after the changes, just a couple of years after the changes, communism fell in Bulgaria in 1989. But then we had these very dark years when nothing was clear and the bank system um, just exploded here in Bulgaria and people got swindled out of their money just in one night. Mm-hmm. Very dark years. So, this is exactly the time when I was in the army. It was still functioning under the old laws under the old uh, system mm-hmm. now it is very different we have professional army we are a member state of uh, nato uh completely different equipment and uh, you know it's a different story now
0: at what point did you become a christian i became a christian
1: in um, 1992. okay three years after communism fell uh, a classmate of mine, she witnessed to me and to seven more people in the class, actually. Eight people got saved from the testimony of one uh, girl in the class.
0: It wasn't too long after that that you felt the calling to become a pastor. And what people here in the West have to realize is that for much of the world, actually, when someone becomes a pastor, when someone goes into the quote unquote ministry, uh, they're they're like Paul was in the Bible. They're, they were tent. Paul was a tent maker. You know, Paul literally made tents in order to help fund his ministry, so he wouldn't be dependent on the support of others. Uh, and that's how it is. Well, that's how it has been for you. You've always had a job in addition to your pastoring, which means my gosh, I don't want to think about how many hours you're putting in a week. But but I just want everyone to know you are a pastor. You have a church and you're active. Uh, serving not just people in Bulgaria, but right now in Ukraine as well. Let's stop for a moment, Lucy. I I just want people listening to understand the dynamics of your part of Europe. Uh, The history goes back so far. Here in the West, gosh, we are so quick to forget our history. It's as if we're following uh, the edicts of uh, Karl Marx. Karl Marx, of course, said history means nothing. And I think there's been a concerted effort here in the United States by so many progressives to make sure we forget the real history of the United States. That said, you folks in the Baltics recall your history very, very well. So let's talk about Bulgaria and Ukraine. Looks like, For example, this past week, it was 144 years ago last week that the Ukrainians came to help liberate Bulgaria. You told me this. And you told me yes. this as if it just happened yesterday. Yes.
1: Well, this is you know this is connected, of course, with uh, with the origins of the United States. Uh, most of the uh, most of the uh, people who came to uh, uh, you know to f- seek the new life and the new dream uh, in the new territories and, and religious freedom and everything uh, that is part of your constitution, you know, they come from the Western uh, uh, part of the world. And in terms of um, sociology and anthropology, different parts of the world have different uh, length of the historical memory. So in Western Europe, uh, historical memory is probably about 150 to 250 years in the balkans historical memory is uh, probably about thousand years <laughs> so we go we we think about events thousand years ago and and they feel real and, and as as you know if you go in the middle east uh, you will find out that uh, historical memory there goes uh, around 2000 years <laughs> because yeah. people remember and they fight uh, and they argue about uh, events that have happened way, way back. So um, yes, this is part of our, uh, I would say it's a blessing, but also it's a difficulty because sometimes it is uh, difficult to move on and to start new things because uh, you know, mm-hmm. th- of this past memory.
0: That is great background for us, Lucy. Let's talk for a, right now, let's talk about Ukraine. Uh, Here you are in Bulgaria, as we mentioned, 400 miles directly across the Black Sea from Ukraine. In Bulgaria, as well as throughout Eastern Europe, you have seen a flood of immigration. It started with Afghanistan, uh, with all the strife in Afghanistan and all the persecution going on in Afghanistan, persecution of Christians, you saw lots, thousands of of christians fleeing afghanistan they were running from the radical muslims and many of them were coming into bulgaria so you welcomed them uh, with open arms and now you have people from ukraine coming into your country i'm just wondering how can you handle this type of immigration
1: yes uh you're absolutely correct brian we we had a uh a couple of uh, refugee waves in the past few years starting from 2015 uh, from the so-called arab spring which didn't end well in many of the uh, arab countries so a lot of people from uh, from there came uh as refugees now most of these people they they passed through bulgaria but they didn't want to stay here some of them stayed Uh, But most of them, they they passed through uh, on way to Germany or Austria or Sweden uh, or, or, you know, a Western country that uh, they, they wanted to find. The big difference that I see with previous refugee waves and what is happening now is that before we we noticed we had um, we had a lot of young men who were traveling sometimes even young children very young children who were on their own uh and now this is not the case now om, almost all the refugees that come from ukraine are women with children because the men they just won't come they don't want to come they want to stay and they want to fight in ukraine so uh, currently we have um uh, Formal information from yesterday, uh, we have around 30,000 uh, refugees uh, from Ukraine and um, you need to understand we, we have direct border with Ukraine only over the Black Sea. So their first points of entry as they flee Ukraine, it, the, their first points would be Hungary, uh, Poland, uh, Moldova, Romania so uh, in order with a car to come to Bulgaria they need to go through one of these countries so many of them they stop uh, in these countries the official figures are that up to now there are about one million uh, refugees wow uh and of course we have only thirty thousand, which means that the rest are in these uh, countries that i already uh mentioned uh you know if it is uh appropriate uh, to joke about such things but you know russia says that they're in ukraine for a peacekeeping um, operation but uh, it's very strange no ukrainians are emigrating in russia there are no ukrainian uh, Im- uh, refugees in russia all of them are running towards the west so that speaks a lot about what is happening in ukraine currently well
0: there's there's a lot of information there's a lot of misinformation in my opinion that's flying around the Internet right now, and it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff, but Mm. you have strong opinions on Russia. You have strong opinions on Putin. You grew up in the former Soviet Union. Uh, You share a lot in common with the people of Ukraine by way of culture over hundreds of years. What are your thoughts about Russia? What are your thoughts about Putin? What are your thoughts Uh, about Ukraine and Zelensky?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, first, let me say how how correct you are uh, by pointing out uh, that there is a lot of information and there is a lot of misinformation. Uh, you know, I think I can't remember who said it first, but uh, it's a saying that when uh, there is war, the first casualty of war is the truth. So uh, we, we should always remember this when we read the news and uh, no matter from which side it is coming, always uh, we have to be careful. That is why... Uh, I'm very uh, sceptical of what I see in um, news bulletins and uh, as as you Americans call it, the mainstream media, uh, which is a weakness because I I cannot get a big picture. But what I do is I contact uh, uh, people, ministers that I know in Ukraine, and I get um, information uh, from the field, from where they are. the good thing is that then the information is real because these are people i know they they have no reason to lie mm-hmm. the bad thing is that it's just partial you know i hear from here and there i don't have a, a big picture but you know you you hear from five from from, from 10 places and then you can kind of uh, uh, put together the puzzle um you know it is every every person in the former uh, uh, sphere of influence of the soviet union which is the whole eastern Bloc, every person in every country knew that this was coming i know that uh, uh, three or four weeks ago there was questions if uh, putin was going to do it or he was just training the soldiers or he was just testing and uh, most of the people in the former Soviet republics, or people who are so, uh, who live in former socialist uh, states, like I do in Bulgaria, uh, w- we knew that this was coming. We felt that this was coming because it is not and the I first just, time. And I just—I have to Germany. interject.
0: I have to interject, Lucy. I was one of those people. I really didn't think Putin would do this. I thought there was a lot of saber rattling going on, especially here in the West. I really thought that Joe Biden was making something of this because his poll numbers are in the dumper. The Democrats have midterms. A war is always good for a president in the United States for poll numbers. I didn't honestly think it would come to this, but you again. I, I, I a understand. Different perspective. Yeah.
1: I I understand what you're saying, and I will say that you're not complete. You are not completely wrong, uh, and this is why because. Politicians use what is happening uh, for their purposes. Mm-hmm. We can talk for hours about COVID and the reality of the disease, and then the measures that were taken, which is a completely different thing. Right. And the measures that were taken by politicians, in some of the cases, they were they were not scientific, and in some cases they were they were anti scientific mm-hmm. so I understand what you're saying and and you know I, I see that this is being used you know even here in Bulgaria it is being used for political purposes but in terms of um continuity in Russian policy it was absolutely expected because it happened you know in Armenia it happened in Georgia, Uh, this is the republic not the state of georgia but the republic the former uh, soviet republic it happened um uh in crimea in 2014 Mm -hmm. it was only logical to happen again and honestly uh, some people say well you know if we let putin just uh, take over ukraine and then he will stop who says that he will stop why would he stop right i mean you know he's just taking steps one by one and and i think one of the one of the difficulties uh or i would even dare to say one of the mistakes of people trying to understand putin is that they try to understand putin by himself i think putin must be seen in light of the uh, long-term uh, russian policy as an empire uh, before the soviet union uh, russia of course, was an empire, and as I was telling you uh, last week when we talked, on the same date that we uh, celebrate our independence, it is also an anniversary of a treaty that was uh, signed between uh, Bulgaria, Germany, Austro-Hungaria, and uh, Romania, I believe, and this uh, treaty was um, between these four countries and Russia, you know, we, we... Uh, We beat Russia in the, this was around the First World War and because Russia lost, they had to give independence to Ukraine, to uh, Latvia, to Lithuania, uh, to Finland, because they they had occupied these countries and they were kind of uh, using them and uh, Mm -hmm. they had taken their territory. So Russia has always had an imperial um, policy towards neighboring countries. Uh, towards other countries you know you can read about the russia uh, russo japanese wars that they have lasted for centuries so putin's policy and putin's actions they need to be understood in light of um, uh, history the the history of the russian empire so it is only natural to act in this way
0: i i would agree with you i think this guy is out for revenge i think he feels as if well, you know how it works. I mean, as a Christian man, you know the Bible well. When when unforgiveness is placed in someone's heart, it can it can fester into revenge and hatred, and that leads to murder. And I Absolutely. believe that's and, what we're and, seeing right now.
1: And it, it's it's even worse when these feelings they become national you know yes. when a whole nation feels this way mm-hmm. because you know uh the soviet union lost the cold war and you know lost it brutally they went bankrupt they lost territory mm-hmm. people went independent and so on and so forth instead of using it as a stepping stone and and trying to build something um uh, something better in terms of life uh, for the for the ordinary citizens uh they they kind of kept it as a as a national disgrace and they want to make up for it and, and i think this is one of the demises of empires they always try to go back to this uh, former greatness which yeah. in the modern world is never going to happen in the same way um you know just looking at um, at uh, at russia now and for example, the sanctions that are be, that are flying from left and right <laughs> towards, to, towards Russia. Uh, a, a journalist asked our prime minister, well, Mr. Prime Minister, what do you think about the measures against uh, Russia? Uh, They're a very big economy. Maybe uh, these sanctions will not have uh, effect. Our prime minister of a small country like Bulgaria, he said, what great economy? What, what is Russia exporting? They're exporting two things. They're exporting petrol and natural gas, mm-hmm. and they make weapons. So he said this in, in the TV interview. He said, so they're like a gas station with rockets.
0: <laughs> a gas station with rockets.
1: Yeah, because th- th- this is, these are the only two things that they produce. You know, you, you can you name the, uh, the Russian Apple yeah. or the Russian Samsung yeah. or the Russian Siemens? Yeah. Can you name one item that no. is made in Russia? Yeah. And everyone in the world wants to get this thing. They, they don't have this thing. They don't have such things. It's an economy fueled by uh, export of natural resources. It's like a big, very big African country because African countries, you know, they export natural resources. So uh, in in, in, uh, in that sense, sanctions will have great effect. Uh, for example, just as uh, an example from Bulgaria, we have tourists here from Russia. They were here, they couldn't leave home because they, they they couldn't fly home because of the sanctions, because all the flights to Russia were stopped. So they were held here for hours, not for hours, for days before arrangements were made. They traveled to another country and then they flew back home because it, you know, right away it started hitting them. So, uh, uh, in my opinion, the 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 sanctions have not gone uh, far enough because I think they have some stage of preparedness for the hit of the sanctions, so they're willing to endure. And I think the the harder the sanctions become, it will the harder for Russia it will be to continue with this aggression.
0: How is the gospel being spread during this time? Don't have a lot of time for you with an answer, Lucy, but just in a nutshell what's happening with the gospel
1: well the good thing is that the church in Bulgaria is responding um, uh, very swiftly uh, we are uh, sending um, humanitarian aid for Ukraine and uh, this this goes with uh, Christians who go there with uh, trucks of food and uh, they share the gospel as they go so it is very um, it is very uh it's a, it's a bad time but also it's a good time to share the gospel and and to to um, reach out to people who are in need for your american listeners i would uh, recommend an american organization they are called global action you can find their website they have uh, a the representative for global action who is from ukraine his name is igor he's a good friend of mine he explains how you can help it's an american organization and they do a great work in Ukraine and also in other countries around the world.
0: Lucy, thanks for spending some time with us. I really appreciate uh, your information and more than that, I appreciate your friendship.
1: Hey, Brian, thank you uh, for inviting me to be on your podcast. It was uh, a joy for me and a great honor.
0: Lucy, truly the honor is mine. Again, the organization that Lucy mentioned is Global Action, globalaction.com. You can go to their website This is an integrous Christian operation I'm on their website right now, training leaders to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another organization that I would highly recommend to you is Samaritan's Purse. Franklin Graham, of course, that's the uh, son of Billy Graham, leads this. These are both organizations that you can trust to give your money to the need that's being, um, being established, in this particular case, Ukraine. There's not, you don't have to worry about overhead. You don't have to worry about people pocketing your money. You don't have to worry about getting ripped off. So Samaritan's Purse and global action. Thank you for joining me, friends. I really appreciate your listenership. I appreciate your partnership. I appreciate you being my ambassadors in this effort to share the good news and at the same time, get important information out to our people. God bless you. Until next time.